you got your Bibles, Colossians chapter three. I have had this circled because Colossians is probably my favorite New Testament book. But Colossians chapter three has had maybe the greatest impact on my life as any other passage of scripture. And I'll tell you why here in a little bit. Uh, I've had this circled because I think there's a lot of followers of Jesus, Christians who love God, who are asking themselves, how do I go beyond simply knowing about God to actually living a transformed life? You've asked that question if you're a follower of Jesus, I guarantee you have. How do I go beyond just knowing about the resurrection to actually living a resurrected life? How do I break out of the cycles of sin that I get stuck in? That at times, maybe you feel like you're powerless. You're like, I'm supposed to be an overcomer. I'm supposed to be living victorious. I don't feel victorious. I feel stuck. You've been there. I know you have. So have I. Paul, in the book of Colossians, we have been the last few weeks, it's high-level theology. It's high-level Christology. It's Jesus as cosmic redeemer of the universe. And then Paul brings it down a little bit for us, a little bit lower, and he says, okay, because of the life, death, resurrection, ascension, and second coming, here's what that means for you. Now, you've been baptized. Remember what baptism is. It's a funeral where you died with Christ. You gave up your life. You let go of your life. And he's saying, because you've been baptized, now there's a different way of living. And Paul finally is going to bring it down to a practical level. He never fully brings it down to street level in the book of Colossians, but he at least brings it down for us to how do we do this? I want you to listen to these four verses. Colossians chapter three, verse one. Since then you have been raised with Christ. Set your hearts on things above where Christ is seated at the right hand of God. Set your minds on things above, not on earthly things. For you died and your life is now hidden with Christ in God. When Christ, who is your life, appears, then you also will appear with him in glory. Easy enough, right? Paul is leaning into one of the greatest tensions that you and I face, and honestly, one of the greatest struggles of the Christian life is how to occupy this space of the in-between. Theologians call this space already, but not yet. The kingdom has come, but the kingdom will come in its fullness. Christ has already defeated the powers of darkness, but Christ's reconciling rule has not yet been fully established in history because we are not in heaven, right? We're not in eternity. When I counsel people over the last 16, 17 years of full-time ministry, I can guarantee you one of the number one things that come up is, Pastor, why? Why? Why do I have to go through this? Why, why do I have to face this suffering? It's not fair. And occupying this in-between requires an incredible amount of faith because guess what? It means you're going to have victories and it means you're going to have struggles, Right? It means you're going to purchase this building at an incredible price, and then these individuals are going to come in and strip out every bit of copper out of it. This is therapy for me, right? <laughs> it means you're going to see miracles, that God does the miraculous, and yet, guess what? All of our bodies right now are in the process of dying and, and decaying, because death is still a reality in this kingdom. These are all the struggles, the tensions. We have authority through Jesus and yet demonic forces and evil forces still occupy control of certain areas. Why is this a struggle for you and I? Because the redemptive rule of Christ and his kingdom that is now present is often hidden from us. It's hidden. We, we can't always see it. So it requires you to do what? It requires you to live it out by faith. And how many know faith is difficult sometimes? 
No matter what your Sunday school teacher taught you, faith is hard. Remember, Paul in the book of Colossians is speaking to a church in Colossae that was surrounded by Rome. Everything was the Roman Empire. You look on the coin, it's Caesar. You look around at the architecture, it's Rome. They were the world power. They were dominating the largest force and army ever imaginable. And Paul's saying, nope, there is a power behind the power that you see. You have to live it out by faith. How many know when all you see is Roman power, it's hard to believe that God's actually in control? Well, it looks like they're in control. And, and, and Paul's setting the record straight. No, this reality, this faith, this kingdom you're going to have to live out is often hidden. You often can't see it. N.T. Wright says this. He says, there's a perfect balance here in Colossians 3 between the already and the not yet that are so characteristic of Paul's teaching on the Christian life. The new age has dawned and Christians already belong to it. The old age, however, is not yet wound up, and until they die or until the Lord appears again in his second coming, their new life will be a secret truth, hidden from view. That's hard. That, that's difficult. Then Paul says there's things that are above and below. You've got to set your mind on things that are above, not on earthly things. What are the things that are below? These are the kingdoms of the world that are built on power, force, violence, lust, greed, evil desires. And he said, you have to set your mind on things above. What are those? The kingdom of heaven where we give Christ full reign and allegiance in our life. But the struggle for you and I is this. The church is called to believe and embody the kingdom of heaven, things above by faith, even before they are visible to everyone or seen in their fullness. What are you, what are you saying, pastor? That means you and I, this community, this church, the expectations because of the gospel is that you and I are living for a different kingdom, a kingdom that we can't always see, that we, we, people around you are like, well, it looks like just the governments and the armies and the forces and the powers of this world are in control. And you and I believe there actually is a power behind those powers, that God's kingdom will come in its fullness. And we are living today like we believe we will live for eternity. Are you with me? That's hard. That requires faith. It's difficult at times. But the person who does this, the person who's living in this tension of already not yet, guess what? You're going to see death differently. Like you're going to handle, you're going to mourn differently than people of the world. Because if you truly believe that God is good and preparing a place for you that is so amazing and good, that it, that it really is what God says, guess what? That's going to give you hope in the now. If you believe that this is true, guess what? You, you handle your resources and finances differently. We're not the people that just build big storehouses and see how much stuff can we get in the storehouse or how much things can I buy. We give it away for things that are eternal, right? Things that will have kingdom impact if we truly believe this, if we're truly living in this kingdom reality. If we believe this, then prayer is not the add-on when like I just don't have anywhere to go, let's pray about it. Prayer is your first resort because you realize that God is working and there is a power behind all the powers that you see. We live differently. Dallas Willard says this, for us to live strongly and creatively in the kingdom of heaven, we need to have firmly fixed in our minds what our future is to be like. If you have not firmly fixed in your mind what your future in Christ looks like, you will not be able to live faithfully in the present. No, you will move into the things of the world and you will act like the world acts because your mind is not fixed on something better. Fixed on the hope of eternity and something better is what drives our present realities. But Paul says this, if you're hidden with Christ now, guess what? 
you will appear with Christ when he redeems all things. If you can have faith now in Christ when you don't see all the realities, guess what? One day when Christ does return and you see all the realities, Christ will welcome you into this because of your faith. So because you've set your hearts on, on things above, because you've set your minds on things above, because you've died and your life is now hidden with Christ, what are we supposed to do? Verse five, Paul says, put to death, therefore, whatever belongs to your earthly nature, sexual immorality, impurity, lust, evil desires, and greed, which is idolatry. Because of these, the wrath of God is coming. You used to walk in these ways in the life you once lived, but now you must also rid yourselves of all such things as these, anger, rage, malice, slander, and filthy language from your lips. Do not lie to each other since you have taken off your old self with, practice, with its practices and have put on the new self, which is being renewed in knowledge in the image of its creator. Here there is no Gentile or Jew, circumcised or uncircumcised, barbarian, Scythian, slave or free, but Christ is all and is in all. Because you've died, Paul says, because you're setting your hearts and minds on things above, not on earthly things, you have to kill off the aspects of your life that are from below. You have to starve your affections for anything that is not above. You have to be aware of the sinful patterns that the enemy uses in your life. Are you self-aware enough to know the sinful patterns and the schemes the enemy uses against you? Sin begins when the idea of illicit gratification comes into our minds and is not immediately put to death, but instead we hold on to it. We cherish it. We contemplate it. We begin to entertain this idea of I would rather feel good in the, in, in the moment than the joy and the pleasure of following God in faithfulness over the long haul. See, as a believer, you have to determine before you ever get into the battle how you will fight the battle. This is what James talks about in verse one, sin or desire when it is conceived births sin. Sin when it's conceived births death. What is God trying to tell us? He's saying the end result of sin, guess what? It's always spiritual death. Never when you choose sin will it turn out like you want it to. Never, never will it fulfill what's lacking inside of you. And this is the frustration of many. Why am I not experiencing transformation in my life as a follower of Jesus? Why do I feel powerless, stuck, is it possible that you can know everything you need to know spiritually and not be walking in the power of God? I think the answer is yes. My, my sophomore year of undergrad, uh, I was a student right here down the road at Oral Roberts University. And uh, I was a chaplain on campus uh, at that time. And I had all of these uh, freshmen come in my sophomore year. And so I was like, this is great. I get to shape them before they're really, before they just get bitter and resentful towards life and everything. And so I did. And let me tell you, I saw it as my responsibility to pastor them. And I took that seriously. And my other buddies who were chaplains, they would have like three or four people come to the devos. We would have like all 30 guys on our floor come. And we were very serious about growing spiritually. And, and the guys on our floor would not just come, but they would share. And they were like, we want to grow. And we, we looked at that verse of there's not, not even a hint of sexual morality. And we were like, we're going to take that seriously. We're not going to be those individuals that just try to manage our mild, mild porn addiction like most people. We're actually going to get serious about sexual purity. And we're going to help each other. And we begin to have honest conversations and fight for each other and talk about what it means to be the men of God that God called us to be. And it, it was honestly beautiful. Some of these guys are still some really good friends of mine today. They live all over the country. And I remember that. 
I also remember I had a group of two or three guys and we would get together and we would talk about how to, how to overcome in all areas of our life. But as a, as a college young man, you're, you're faced with this, uh, this sexual temptation many times and, and we wanted to overcome. And I remember even in my struggle at times being like, what? I've crossed off every box that you can possibly have spiritually. Why do I feel powerless? Let me tell you, I could have shared a thousand stories this morning that would be more comfortable for me than this one. All right? I've crossed off the boxes. On June 23rd, 1998, I had a genuine encounter with Jesus that forever transformed my life where I experienced the power in the presence of God so powerfully. God gave me certain spiritual gifts. I don't know if this is weird for some of you, my Baptist friends, hold on for a minute, but your pastor speaks in tongues, right? On a regular basis. Not like in front of a lot of people, it's more of a private thing, but I do that, okay? And that's supposed to be a gift that, that you use, and, and I still use it today, and, and I would do those things, and I, would, I, I knew the scripture. I was a, a student in biblical studies at that time, and I had taken Greek, so I knew the word of God, and nobody else did, right? That's what you think to yourself. I grew up in church, the prayer meetings. I'd seen miracles before my eyes, undeniable moves of God that I'm like, well, some things can be faked, but I saw it. And yet I felt powerless. How, how, do I, how do I do this? Shouldn't I be experiencing something more? Let, let me tell you what I learned now that I wish I could have learned then and I was beginning to learn now. That living a resurrected life doesn't just happen. It's a choice you make. That sounds simple, doesn't it? But growing up, you're just like, well, I've experienced this, I'm around it, I believe it, I should be experiencing it. But what happens when you're not? When you feel stuck in a cycle of, of sin and, and shame and, and, and just struggle and you're like, how do I break free from this? You know, greater is he that is in me that is in the world and, and you believe that, but why am I not experiencing it? And sometimes it's not enough that you just had an encounter. It's not enough that you know this truth. You have to choose to be victorious, to live a resurrected life. I've realized my life, probably a lot like yours, I, I, I compare it to a bucket but your, our buckets have a big old hole in it, don't they? And the things that are coming in us that are filled with us are, are leaking out. And some of them leak out slowly and some of them are, are gushing out. And if I'm not refilling the bucket with the mind of Christ on things above, how many know I will run completely empty in a short amount of time? You don't believe me? I bet if some of you were honest with me, how many of you actually drive better when you leave church on Sunday than you do the rest of the week? Anybody else, you drive a little better? Two or three of you? I do. I walk out of here and like people cut me off. I'm like, you know what? I'll take it. I had a good day at church today. <laughs> Presence of God moved. Last week, I, I, when I, we don't have something after church, I, I went down the street to research because I like the salmon, at like the hot bar they have there. And I, it's, it's packed. And so I'm standing in line and I'm waiting for lunch after, after church next Sunday. And people are just cutting the line like crazy. Like, like it doesn't even exist. And I'm like, it's cool. I'm not in a hurry. I'll sit here as long as I need to. If that had been Thursday or Friday, I'd have been like, mm-mm, come on now. There's a line back here but I was feeling good, right? Our buckets leak. When we're not renewing ourselves and renewing our mind, how many know that you can go into the things of the world quickly? Anybody willing to meet that, admit that? Like you can move from God is moving and I feel, I feel gracious and I feel overflowing with love to like selfishness, can, you can move into that quickly. When I was a sophomore in, in college and, I, and I'm working through this, um, I decided to do something one day. 
And I was like, I, I'm going to get serious about this. I want to lead by example. I, I, I want to, our, our small group of guys, we were challenging each other. And so I began to write down verses that were just speaking to my identity and, and purity and the life God wants me to live. And, and I was focusing and I was just meditating on those scriptures. And so I remember I typed them out and, and I went to Kinko's. Anybody remember Kinko's back in the day? Come on now. Before it was FedEx office. And I, and I walked in and I had it printed off on cardstock. And then I had them laminated really nice. And every day for seven days, I had seven different laminated cards. And when my alarm would go off every morning, I would reach over and I would grab that laminated stack of verses. In fact, last night I was up in my attic and it was like a thousand degrees up there. And I was looking for these laminated verses and they're in a box somewhere up there. I would love to be able to show you that I still have them, but I couldn't find them. And then my son and I, we found my baseball cards and we lost all track of time. We were like, this was supposed to pay for your college. I'm not even sure why I have them anymore. And so side story, but I have these verses somewhere still. And every morning before my feet hit the floor, I would read that. And then one day turned into a one week and a month. Months turned into many more months. And I actually established a rhythm of every morning before stepping on the ground of thinking on things above. And let me tell you, at that time in 20 years of my life, Nothing had ever been more transformative of me beginning to walk in resurrection power than simply changing the way that I would think and being to develop rhythms and practices in my daily routine of filling my bucket, of thinking on things above. Here's the truth of spiritual formation, and it's not complex, but sometimes we miss this. What occupies our mind will largely govern what we do, Right? What occupies our mind will largely govern what we do. So for us to grow in spiritual maturity and freedom, we have to form habits that help us stay directed towards God throughout the day. It is not enough for you to attend church one Sunday and expect to walk in resurrection power and victory. I also realize this, that nothing has the power to tempt me or move me to wrong action that I have not given power by what, I, by what I permit to be in me, by what I am thinking or dwelling upon. I actually give those things power. The book of Colossians, it does give us an overview for, for, for living a transformed life. And even though it doesn't get down to like street level, I want to help us get street level this morning in the few minutes that we have left. And I speak about this almost every year at City Church. And so if you've heard this before, guess what? You need to hear it again. I use this almost every week in counseling with people in our church. I use it in my own life. It's called the Triangle of Transformation. It was started by Dallas Willard. Dallas Willard has probably been one of the greatest influencers on my life, his book, The Divine Conspiracy. He has a, kind of an apprentice named James Brian Smith. If you read anything Dallas Willard or James Brian Smith, let me tell you, you're going to be reading good stuff. These men have helped uh, develop this triangle of transformation that I have used a lot throughout the years. The first part of the triangle, the first point of it, is the way that you think. You have to transform the way that you think. This means what misunderstandings do you have about God? The more I counsel people in 16 years of full-time ministry, the more that I realize this, most people have a distorted view of God that is affecting the intimacy they can have with their heavenly father. What lies have you believed about yourself? What lies have you believed about God? What are the wounds? What are the things that have happened to you where you walked away with a limp? The trauma that has impacted your life where you struggle to walk in victory or see yourself as God sees you because you've gone through this. 
Maybe it's a lie that someone else spoke over you. Guess what? You have to deal with those lies. You have to confess what they are and replace them with the truth of what God says you are. This is how we begin to transform our thinking. This is you understanding the story of God. Do you understand the gospel, what the gospel is? Paul does a lot of this in Colossians. Do you know who Jesus is and the significance of Jesus on your life? What does that look like for you? The way that you think. The second part of the triangle is this, are your practices. What are the spiritual disciplines that you want to implement in your life? Dallas Willard says this about spiritual disciplines. There any activity within our power that we engage in to enable us to do what we cannot do by direct effort. You're like, what, what, what is he saying? He's saying the end goal of your spiritual formation is not spiritual disciplines or practices. Practices are tools. It's a bridge to get us from where we are to the ultimate goal. You know what the ultimate goal is? To look like Jesus. Christ-likeness. For you to walk in victory as Christ has designed you to walk in. And the spiritual disciplines are the tools and the avenues that get us to this place. They help us withdraw from dependence on ourselves or the thing around us and begin to, to grow us into dependence of God. Spiritual practices break the patterns of sin that try to have control over your life. They reorient your heart and thinking towards the things of God. Why do we need this? I'm so glad you asked. Because the average person watches TV 21 hours of TV each week. Come on now. They consume 17 and a half hours of social media, just the average person. You are inundated with thousands of marketing ads in a one week period. Whether you're driving, listening to something, watching something on social media, you are literally inundated. We could go on and on. Your own podcast, news sources, echo chambers that you like to listen to. Most Christians now attend church less than twice a month. It's like 1.8, something like that. Most Christians admit to having few to zero daily rhythms or spiritual disciplines in their life. Why do we have a spiritual formation problem in the church? Why do we have a bunch of Christians that are not living transformed life? Because we have a hole in our bucket, right? And it's being drained so rapidly. And you know how we're filling it? Drip by drip. How many know that's not sustainable for a transformed life? It's simply not. We have so many Christians that love Jesus. They believe in the resurrection. They have affirmed the orthodox beliefs of our faith. And yet they feel absolute powerless because literally their bucket is being drained by the world and earthly things. And they don't know how to refill it. We're thirsty. It's like we're walking through wasteland and desert and we're, we're parched and we don't know how to refill it. The last part of the triangle, the third point is people. You need people. And actually this is the last part of Colossians. Next week, the last chapter, Paul is going to come down a little bit close to street level and he's saying it affects how you live with one another and the church and relationships and all of this. You need people who are contending for you. And who in your life is contending for you? Who is admonishing you? You know what admonishment means? Get up in your business. You got anybody who's, who, who will be willing to love you enough to get up in your business and correct you or to call you out? That's how you know a true friend. When you're, when you're, driving, you're about to drive your car off a cliff, a good friend says, not, not on my watch. A bad friend just lets you drive off, right? 
Do you have people who admonish you? Friends, mentors, a microchurch, a community of people. What's the rubric I talk about all the time? Your inner circle better be people that are leading you towards Jesus. If there are people in your closest proximity to your inner circle that are not taking you towards Jesus, guess what? You need a boundary with that person. And unhealthy, dysfunctional people will take you down with them. They will influence you. Do you have the right people? Think what I think, what I practice, the right people. You know what the middle of the triangle is? To the work of the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit begins to do in you what you can't do in your own effort. Gives you a changed life. You know what happens? The Holy Spirit actually begins to produce fruit of the Spirit in your life. And if you didn't know this, the fruit of the Spirit is inwardly what you desire more than anything else. Love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control. Those are the things that your soul longs for. The Holy Spirit begins to do that as you begin to direct your, your thoughts towards the ways of God. You begin to reorient your life, your rhythms, the way that you wake up, the way that you go to bed, the way that you do certain things. You begin to surround yourself with the right people who are speaking truth and leading you towards Jesus. And I'm telling you, you just created the space for transformation to occur. Are you with me? This is a game changer. I'm telling you, it, it's a game changer in the Christian life for people who are like, man, I, I have been stuck. And it is not God's desire for you to be stuck, but to you, for you to live an overcoming life. In the letter to the Colossians, Paul is trying to, re, to shape this community in such a way that the story of Jesus becomes the story that determines how they live. That the story of Jesus is not simply something they know, but it's how they live. It directs everything that they do. Why not you stand your feet with me across this room? You can begin to prepare your communion elements if you have them. If anybody has some, oh, there's my communion. It fell down. I was going to say, I may need to borrow some. Go ahead and prepare yourself. Thank you, sir. I want you to take a moment, like we do at the end of every service. Just bow your heads right where you're at. Allow the work of the Holy Spirit to speak to you. Here's what the Holy Spirit does. It takes the word of God. It takes the messages. It takes truth that we're exposed to. And it personalizes it for you. Because remember, the Holy Spirit lives in you. The Holy Spirit is committed to your freedom and your health. The Holy Spirit is constantly leading you to place, deeper places of freedom and life. And we give this space for the Holy Spirit to speak to our hearts, to transform us. Maybe as I'm talking, you're like, man, my thinking... Maybe you need to see a counselor or a therapist. You need to work through some of the trauma, the, some of the misunderstandings that you have about God or yourself in order to see yourself as God sees you. Maybe that's the work you need to do. Maybe it's understanding what the gospel is. For some of you in the room, I guarantee you, for many of us, it's practices. Our bucket is being emptied so quickly and we're not filling it. Or if we are, it's drip, drip trip. Who are the people 
people in your life will determine the direction and quality of your life. When you're 15 years old and you're 35 and you're 75, you never outgrow that. Maybe you need to go find those people. Father, we thank you for your word. God, we thank you that Paul challenges us to live and to dwell on things above, to live as overcomers, to live resurrected lives, that we don't have to settle for less. We don't have to just think that, man, you know what, we're just going to limp all the way in to the end of our life, but we can actually live victorious. But it's a choice. We have to choose. And God, we ask that your Holy Spirit power would come alive and work within us, Father, as we choose things that are above and not things below. As we hide ourselves with you, Father, as we believe in the reality of your kingdom here, God, that one day you will usher us into your kingdom to come. God, we believe that. Move in our hearts, we pray. We practice open communion here at City Church. That means anybody who is hungry for more of Jesus, you're welcome to come to the table with us. If you're in this room and you don't know Jesus as Lord and Savior, we would invite you to come and take Jesus as Lord and Savior during this time. As we're about to take the body and the blood of Jesus, we invite you to take Jesus. On the night Jesus was betrayed, he gathered his disciples around him and he broke the bread and he passed it around and he said, this is my body broken for you. Remember that I am gonna be ripped apart so that you could be put together and be made whole again. Let's take the body of Christ together. Jesus took the cup, shed blood poured out for us. The realization that you and I could not rescue ourselves, we couldn't redeem what was broken because of sin. And that one day we will stand before God. But judgment is not something to be feared if you're in Christ. Because one day when God looks at us, he will not see our sin, but he will see Jesus in the blood. Amen? Let's take together. Would you take a minute and just thankfulness and gratitude? We always practice this. It's a practice every week. Father, we thank you. We are not entitled to anything. We are not deserving of anything. If anything, we deserve death. But your mercy and grace, your everlasting love rescued us. We walk out of this place today with gratitude, overflowing with thankfulness for the work of the gospel in our life choosing to live a resurrected life, transformed. In Jesus' name we pray, amen, amen. I'm gonna invite our prayer team down. If any of our prayer team, our elders, our trustees, any of you in the room and you, and you wanna uh, come down during this time, if you need prayer for anything in your life, man, before we, when we exit here in just a minute, you're welcome to come down and grab one of our prayer team members and have them pray with you. We believe in the prayer, power of prayer to transform things. If you're a first-time guest, I'd love to meet you in the welcome room just across the lobby. 30 seconds of your time, we have a free gift for you, and I'd love just to meet you and greet you before you leave this morning. Next week, we'll be ending our Colossians series, uh, wrapping up our final verses together. And then last but not least, man, this is a big step of faith season for our church, our For Our City campaign. You can fill out your commitment card online, or you can drop it in one of our giving boxes when you leave. I want to say thank you for going on this journey with us and just praying, God, what, what God would you have me do during this process? We love you. Let's end with our mission statement. Go live it out wherever you are. Be the gospel. Be the gospel.
I could play along.